Well, we're getting ready to go into the word of the Lord. So I want you to grab hold of your Bible as we get ready to look to the word of the Lord today. Amen. And uh, God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. I'm going to be reading in the book of Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. And uh, we're going to read there. And we're going to pray over the word of the Lord. And so for the rest of the time from now till uh, Christmas season, I told you I'm going to be just pulling some characters out of the Christmas story and trying to give you as much from their lives that we can learn. Amen. And from the Christmas story, Christmas is a time of year that is uh, uh, moves a lot of emotions in so many directions. Um, if you go online and you watch the internet, you'll get so many opinions on Christmas. And, uh, I, you know, as a believer, I do believe Jesus was born, and that's what I celebrate. Amen? Anything beyond that is, you know, we added to it. And you can decide what you want to do uh, around this time of the year. But as for me, I think the greatest moment in history was the fact that Jesus came. And when we say that, we're not just saying that an ordinary person was born. We're saying that God came into his creation. In some religions, they don't believe that about Jesus, uh, that he is divine. They believe that he's just another human being. But we are not, we're not saying that because the Bible is not making that statement. The Bible is saying that Jesus is the son of God the incarnate of God in the flesh, the, one of the, 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 the part of the triune God, amen? And so we believe that he is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, amen? And so for the next couple of, of weeks, this is what I will be talking about. I'll be pulling some stories out that I believe will apply and, and, and transform and challenge your life. In the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse number 1, this is what it says there. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King, King who? Y'all with me? Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, and for those of you who don't know, those are the wise men, Amen. Many people believe there was three wise men because there was three gifts. The truth is these people traveled by packs, right? And here's something for you to know. These men came from the Far East who probably culturally would have never been seeking God. And they came finding Jesus because of a, an unexpected light that showed up in the sky. And how many of you know that you can be an unexpected light in somebody else's life? Y'all ain't saying nothing. Amen. People who might have never been looking for Jesus can all of a sudden start searching for him if they see an unexpected light. And every chance you get to go to work, you don't go to work with an attitude and don't go to work with the mindset of I hate my job but go to work as a light 
and you might change your whole work environment. Every place you step, you are a light. And they saw an unexpected light, and the light led them to where Jesus was. And they came naturally where you think a, kid, a king would be born, in a palace. But how many of you know that sometimes where you think something is, is not necessarily what is there? You think you'd find the king of kings in this palace, but instead they find a, <laughs> the original Grinch who tried to steal Christmas. I mean, everything in that song, you're a mean one. Mr. Herod, would, it would work perfect in this scenario, right? Um, they find him, and that's true for life too. Sometimes where you think you might find certain things, and you work so hard to get there, you realize that that place actually does not have what I'm looking for. So many of us, I can say it another way, we have thought we would have found love in a certain place, but instead you found more hurt there. You thought certain people would have given you certain things you were looking for in life only to find it not be present there. And what you need fulfilled in your life is not there. And the one place they would never look is where they found Jesus, in a barn. And I want you to know that sometimes you can miss a blessing because of what your eyes are deceiving you to think. And that Jesus sometimes is found in places you never would think. You know, some people would never get blessed because they tell God how the blessings have to be packaged. I feel like preaching all of a sudden there. You know, some people would never receive what God wants to do in their life because they are more concerned with the way the blessing has to be packaged. I'll give you a good example. Some people would never receive you because you're not packaged the way they feel. You, 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 you're beneath what they can receive from. Hallelujah. Some people will never, and I've learned to let go of that because some of the best advice I've ever got didn't come from those that I thought it should have come from. Some of my greatest life lessons were not learned from people that I thought should have been pouring into me. And I used to be like that. You know, you've got to look to certain people to learn from, but God will use any area to teach you something. Come on, somebody. So sometimes you get frustrated when you try to talk to people because you know what you're telling them is true. And you're like, why are they not listening to, to me? It's not that what you're saying is not true. It's that they don't want to receive it from you. There's a lot of people who will never grow in this church because I'm a pastor with braids and I wear a yellow shirt. And it has to look like what they saw on TV. It has to be this preacher. Some people will go home today and hear the same exact message on TVN and shout, but won't shout. Uh, that's too rough. Because you know I don't care, right? Amen. Some people, so the problem is not the message. The problem is the package. 
I've been there many times where I've rolled up. I remember one time I went to some place and uh and it was a fundraiser and they had all the suits on in the room and I was brought to talk and I and I begun to feel intimidated because I wasn't packaged like everybody else. But not because I didn't look like everybody else mean I was lesser than anybody else. Let me tell you something. It don't matter what you look like. Hallelujah. It's what's up here. And I already knew this room was going to feel a certain way when they brought the Christian hip-hop boy up. I couldn't do back. I wish I knew how to do a backflip. I'd have really impressed them. I'd have come out like that. Amen. If I knew how to do that, can you do it? And never mind. And so I got up there, and the first thing I did was I started in my presentation quoting something, and the, the Lord led me, and I begun to just ramble off the whole preamble to the Constitution and get into the Bill of Rights and set it from memory, and the whole audience was like, he knows that from memory? I said, yeah, I'm kind of not dumb. And then they begun to receive because some people only will receive when they when the package becomes where they think they are worthy. So sometimes you can get people to receive from you by tricking them. Now don't go being deceptive. I, I know where, where am I at right now? You, you 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 and that's why the Bible says this. The Bible says the Bible says God men looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart and we love that scripture right because because well I don't know if we should love that scripture because that's more scarier that he looks at my heart because I know what's in there we actually use that scripture to tell people God knows my heart that should be more scary because he really does he knows your Google history guys he knows your Instagram watch history. Got real quiet. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you think about everything. He knows your heart. So that part, we often use that to kind of let people know only God could judge me. And he will. That's the scary part. But the other part of that says that men looks at what? The outward appearance. So you can trick a lot of people just by how you look, but not because you look a certain way means you got anything upstairs. And we live in a world now that is filled with people who can paint the outward image as amazing. But when they speak, sometimes I scratch my head and these have become cultural leaders and icons. And we receive from them because it looks palacey. This must be where the king is. So the Magi rolled up. They saw the star. They stopped following the star. They said he got to be here. And they ran into Herod. Herod? Ask your neighbor, do you know who Herod is? If they answer, <laughs> they kind of old. <laughs> Herod? was one of the meanest person in history. Let me tell you some of Herod's qualifications. He was a super jealous man of any potential rivals. 
Listen to this. So protective was Herod of his power and so jealous of potential rivals that his more popular brother-in-law, a very young high priest, had a drowning in a pool that archaeologists shows was very shallow. <laughs> when his favorite wife, Miriam, a Maccabean princess, was falsely accused of adultery, he had her strangled. I mean, you just couldn't. When he had his sons, who he thought was plotting against him, he had them put to death. Five days before he died, he executed another son, the one who falsely framed the other two. Nobody stand a chance around Herod. So if he's killing family members, can you imagine how many people on the outside he's killing? Come on, somebody. So much did Herod crave honor, it is said that when he was, it is said that when he was on his deathbed, he ordered many nobles arrested. Right? He, so he arrested the nobles, and he thought that if many people were executed on that day he died, he could ensure that they would be mourning rather than celebration. So he, he, so he killed people. That people would cry over so that when the nation is mourning, he could just slip in and be like, they're mourning for me. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing. <laughs> when he died, however, the nobles were released and the people celebrated. <laughs> Herod was a Grinch, uh, uh, an evil man. Somebody said it's better to be Herod's animal than to be a, a, a family member. And he was a man, he was something. Let's go back to our, our, our scripture. It says, chapter 2, verse 1. When they came, they came and they met King Herod. And they asked, verse 2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, and when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was, you don't want to disturb a man like Herod. He was disturbed. And watch the, watch the second part. And all Jerusalem with him. Sometimes you miss the meaning because you, you, you don't know who the man is. The reason all of Jerusalem was disturbed was because Herod was disturbed. And sometimes when people are in power and they are crazy, everybody they in power over is disturbed. Today... When you look at this man, there are two things that comes to mind when I was reading this. Two processes I learned as a child, and I see them often play out. Y'all know I love water, and I see them happening a lot. Number one is weathering. This is the definition of what weathering is. 
It is the process of wearing or being worn out by long exposure to atmosphere. It is when something begins to get worn out just because it is exposed to uh, the atmosphere for too long. You've seen things that have weathered. You've got things that you own that you left outside, and after a while it weathered away. Sometimes you buy a new car. You leave it outside long enough. After years and years, the paint don't look as good anymore. Things start to, to, to deteriorate, and some things deteriorate faster than others. And weathering is just the exposure to atmosphere. And what is true scientifically for natural things is true for the mind of men. When your mind is exposed to certain things for too long, it can wear you out. You can become worn out, hallelujah. If you were born in a dysfunctional home and you were exposed to trauma, after long exposures to trauma, it affects who you are. If you've never grown up with, with both parents there or, or things weren't what it's supposed to be, it can affect who you are mentally. If you've been exposed to someone who's reckless in speech, Maybe a parent, maybe somebody you're married to, maybe it's abusive language coming from somewhere. And all you ever hear and is exposed to is, is the constant downing on you. After a while, it can wear you out. There's no doubt there's people in this room that are worn out. People get married thinking that the joy of their life will lift them up after two years of marriage, after long exposure to a wife. Amen. Hallelujah. Can't say amen because you got to go home with her. Hallelujah. I understand. Amen. After long exposure to certain issues, you can become worn out in life. And that's why you got to be careful what you expose yourself to for too long. I'll go even further. If you expose yourself to certain things on the TV for too long, it'll have an effect in your mind. If you expose yourself to, to news media channels for too long, it can affect your mind. If you uh, uh, expose yourself to certain sounds, it can, uh, can have a, a worn out effect in your life. There's no doubt in this room right now, there's people who is just worn out because you've seen too much. And you've seen too much for too long. Come on, somebody. And 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 inside you're worn out. Here's another process that's similar: erosion. Erosion is the geological process in which uh, earthen materials are worn away. Same thing happens by the transporting of natural forces such as wind and water. In other words, this gets worn out because things come in the life of the thing, damages it, and then takes it and puts it someplace else. So, for example, you are uh, uh, erosion occurs on the side of the banks of waters because the water comes and damages the side of the banks and takes that and deposits it elsewhere. And people just like that has happened to us. People have come and left in our lives and left us worn, left us damaged. And as a result, up here, we look good on the outside, but up here is crazy. Some of us are fearful. Some of us will never try to do anything else in our life. Some of us, we struggle with feeling inadequate. 
And if you're not careful, if you don't fix you, if you don't deal with you, it can play out. And if you become disturbed, I wonder how many other things under you becomes disturbed because you're disturbed. Here's what I want to help you with today, because there's a word for that. When these things happen in your life that it develops, it develops many things. Trauma develops many things in your life. Trauma and, and, and stuff that happens to you is very real. You, there's reality and then there's perception that is reality. And how you're perceiving life, even though it might not be reality, you're not going to live based on reality. You're going to live based on your perceptions. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. And so the majority of issues why you have in life where you can talk to somebody and tell them truth to their face, but they, it still wouldn't move them is because they're living through all of the weathering and all of the erosion that has happened to them. And it happens, it, 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 this stuff happens, listen, let me, let me, here's the funny thing about weathering. Weathering don't let you know it's damaging you because it's good. On a hot, nice day, we love those days. It's a beautiful day. Go stand in that sun all day. Slowly you, somebody said it, you're becoming dehydrated. You can develop skin issues by staying in it too long. All sorts of things are happening to you, but you're having fun. So when, when I say these things happen in your lifelong exposure, sometimes even the very thing that you think is a turn up has an effect in your life. And people in their minds are struggling. And one of the things they're struggling with that I see present in Herod today is insecurity. You would be shocked. You think insecurity is for a kid in school. You'd be shocked how many people in this room is insecure. And insecurity affects every area of your life. If you are insecure, it'll affect your job performance. If you are insecure, it'll affect your small group performance. You being a small group weird. Don't know when to talk, what to talk. Thinking about what you should say. I ain't going to get no witnesses in this house. Y'all ain't going to make me feel like I'm the only insecure person in this house. Insecure. Look, 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 look how the preacher turned. Insecure people. Why are you talking about insecurity? They act like I'm not insecure. <laughs> insecurity, inadequacy, jealousy. See, insecurity. Once a person doesn't understand who they are, all sorts of stuff starts to manifest. Jealousy comes from that. You know, when I was a kid, I used to hear adults talk about jealousy, and I'm like, jealousy? I ain't, what is that? I ain't jealous of nobody. We all one big family. I loved people until I got older. People started hurting me. And then as they hurt me, they got successful. Something wasn't right about this equation. Because if you did wrong to me, how can I rejoice for you prospering? I want you to... to... I didn't say any of what y'all said. 
people struggle with that. And it affects your job performance. It affects how you function in church. It affects how you function in your marriage. There are people in their marriage that your problem in your marriage is just you insecure. Someone said, Pastor, when the church quiet, it's not because they ain't feeling you. It's because you hitting mad hard. So I'm keeping that in mind. Said, Don't, stop telling us to say amen. Some things we got to breathe a little bit. So I get it. I get it. I, I get it. Amen. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Here's my first point, and I'll get you out of here in, in an hour. Don't be insecure. Positions and roles magnifies our insecurities. It is better to deal with your issues before you apply for the job. When I say the job, I just don't mean a position uh, where you work and make money. I'm talking about if you, before you become a husband, deal with your insecurities. Don't ask for the position with issues because the position never fixes the issues. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Too many people with issues are seeking positions in hopes that the position will fix the issue. All the position does is magnify the issue. If you are jealous now, if you are fearful now, if you don't know how to handle money now, if you don't know how to control yourself now, putting you in a position that requires all of that will magnify how much of it you are not. Sometimes God don't answer your prayers for elevation because he's blessing you from keeping you from going to that level so you don't get exposed. Oh, I know we like to thank God for every answered prayer, but I'd like to thank God. For some prayers that he did not answer. because Oh, y'all ain't saying. Because had I been put in that position with some of the things that came out of my life, I'd have been canceled. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Sometimes God actually blesses you by keeping you at a lower level. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Hallelujah. Positions magnify your insecurity. And here was Herod growing up in a politically turmoiled world. Rome is ruling. He's the king of the Jews. And his descendant lineage is Edom. He's an Edomite, which means he came from Esau. And if you know the Bible, there are two things in the Bible God says he hates. One of them is divorce. And the other one is Esau. Did I lose y'all? I like God hates. Don't worry about all that. Come to Bible study. We'll clear that up. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's whose lineage he's come from. And can you imagine living in this political turmoil, being somebody who wants to be king over the Jews, and you're from the lineage of Esau, and the people, they smile with you, but they never really accept you. 
so he's a great builder. One of the things Herod was good at was he can build stuff. When you see Herod's palace, uh, uh, his, uh, the palace was amazing. When you saw the things he built for the Romans, amazing builder. But as much as he built and tried to please people, people never. And you saw that insecurity be magnified because he's in a position now that it shows. See, when you want to, the higher you go up is the easier it is to see you. Sometimes it's good to stay at the bottom. You blend in with everybody else. So be careful when you ask. When you ask, God, put me in a position to be married. God, put me in a position to this. God, the problem is not for God to elevate you. The problem is, can you handle the places you ask God for? Before God made, listen, God made the garden before he made man. The problem is not making the garden. The problem is not the place you want to dwell in. The problem is, can you handle the place I'm going to put you in? And the position highlights the insecurity. You didn't know you were that insecure until you got married. It got quiet again. Remember, Pastor Rich. Remember. You didn't know you could be that jealous on still you. When you were young, you... You're on the phone. Let me help single people. How you doing, babe? I just got home. Y'all remember those days, married people? Maybe not. (sighs) What you doing? I'm going across the street. Okay, keep the phone on while you go across the street. If they say that, you should start. That's kind of weird. FaceTime me while you're walking in. And you start to... Where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you with? Say I love you. Why can't you say I love you? Who's around you? Who are you with? And you got married. You start feeling insecure for a lot of things in a marriage. Your wife come home like, wow. Watching his TV. This guy's a great advisor. I could give advice too. <laughs> you start looking at people's success as though it's your failures. Insecure people look at other people's success as it's their failure. Like most LeBron fans are insecure. I don't care about none of y'all LeBron fans. Because you know why? If you just simply come and say, hey, take a player nobody really cares about. Say a name. Who? People care about him. Ron Harper. Exactly. Ron, if you're watching, you my man, bro. Yo, Ron. Got to kind of, you know, in case Ron is watching. You don't want Ron to feel bad. Here's my point. I'm making a point with this. If you come around, you'll be like, yo, Ron Harper's dope, bro. He can rebound. And a LeBron fan is there? But LeBron could rebound too. We not saying he can't. I'm sorry. I messed up my whole sermon. What's true for that scenario is true for a lot of people. You walk into a room, somebody tells a joke, and they laugh. 
this stuff has been playing out all your life. Remember when you sat in the back of the class and somebody laughed at another kid's joke and you came to school the next day? I'm just going to tell a lot of jokes today. And your jokes is mad corny. And pe then you became the annoying kid. Remember when somebody compliments somebody else's clothes? And because yours was never complimented for the rest of your life now, because of what happened at five, you spend your life in the mall <laughs> trying to make sure you always get compliments on your clothes, never realizing that you are not your clothes. Hallelujah. I'll tell you the story. One time I was flying through Atlanta and they had cased up a suit. And I said, whose suit is this? And why is it in a case? And it looked like it was from Portobello. Come on, y'all know Portobello. Come on. We thank God for the ministry of Portobello. That joint saved a lot of us. Come on. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. I ain't going to get no help in this house. Where the men at who had to get a quick Portobello every now and Come on, ain't no sh I still get a portabella. You won't know. <laughs> Thank God for the man. Yeah, you could do Armani and all them, all them, all the uh, big name, brand name suits. God bless you. I was making a point about portabella. <laughs> the case with the suit in it. I walked over and I said... And they said, this is worth thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I said, why? Then I looked down and says, this was a king that Dr. King wore during one of his... I said, okay, I get it. <laughs> and it taught me something that day. The clothes don't make the man. The man make the clothes. <laughs> Your clothes is worth a lot. Is it because your name is on it? Is it because of what you're accomplishing in it? Or is it because I got Gucci and Louis? Our whole world, you can look around and just see insecurities all over. When you ask God for elevation on the job, if you're not careful, you getting elevated to another position will magnify your insecurity. When you ask God to get married, it brings out your insecurities. All of a sudden, things that you were confident in, you start feeling shaky in. It happens. Here's my second point. When you are insecure of your position, you create opposition. Everything becomes an enemy when you don't understand who you are. And this begun to happen in Herod's life. He was never comfortable in who he was. He never could just relax. And so anybody that seems like they possibly are coming for his position is an opposition. Even his own children. And sometimes you, could be, you, you can be creating enemies that are not enemies, that are meant to help you. And you're causing the people that are meant to help you to be enemies because you're not confident in who you are. You don't even know who you are. Let me help you. If God is going to bless you with a position, your prayer should be, God, give me the strength to be the best in this position. Your prayer shouldn't be, God, teach me how to fight to keep my position. 
Two things. If God puts you in a position, nobody will be able to take you out. Second thing. If you have to fight for a position, you're going to have to fight to always keep it. Sometimes, some things, yes, you're going to have to put up a fight for. But anything that God is going to bless you with, you don't have. He, he steps in and he begins to fight for you. That sometimes you don't have, you don't have to create, you don't have to kill people. Anytime you are in a position that it is now causing you to, this is what I wanted, this is the best way to say it. If if you're in a position and it is compromising your faith walk, God ain't behind that. If if being in this position makes me got to become bitter and hate people, I got to check myself. Because God don't fight with evil. Here's number three. Insecure people secure themselves by not securing others. Insecure people limit and sabotage people. You know how insecure people work? Everybody in the room and they laugh at somebody's joke. When they leave, they say, you really thought that joke was that funny. Let me explain to you why the joke ain't funny. Now you're a jokeologist. <laughs> really all that's happening there is you're a hater. That's another way of saying insecurity. <laughs> you start to explain why something ain't good. Brother Range, get up and perform today. Did backflips. Let me tell you why the backflip wasn't really all that good. Insecure people is always trying to find ways to sabotage other people. They're actually sitting hoping somebody would fail. Can you believe that there are people that sit there and hope that others fail? Can you believe there are people that sit there and hope that others fail? Can you believe there's people that sit there And hope others, can you believe (laughs) that we are people who sit here and sometimes hope somebody fails? That's why social media is one of the, the, the worst things that happen to humanity because now we get to see people's life. And all people will do is display the best of their life. Don't nobody display the, the worst of their life. Don't nobody display when they're mad or angry or bitter. Don't nobody, no, nobody ever takes a marriage photo. I just was jealous. My house, my house is in turmoil. Nobody does that. Nobody takes it. When was the last time you see somebody put up a, a, a dirty dishes in the sink that nobody want to wash? That everybody walk by like it's a monument, like it's the Statue of Liberty. Sometimes if you move that camera slightly to the left, we'll see a different. Sometimes just move the angle down. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to show the real. And insecure people begin to sabotage things. They'll sabotage people. They'll even sabotage their own life. By saying the reason I'm not where I am is because I never had this. 
if I was given these, oh, people come. Now, nowadays, everybody, my daughter was telling me, and, and I think Jazzy was telling me, we, we wanted to go hang out, you know, one of the other nights. And, and I said, Jazzy, well, I can't say because your professor might be watching. <laughs> so, can't say it because your professor might be watching. I'm in trouble here. They said, if we want to get a day off, we'll just call and say we need a mental health day. I said, <laughs> I said, I said can you say that to me again? Now, I'm not making fun of that. I'm not, I'm not downing. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I just, uh, number one, let me explain what was. I felt cheated. I felt like I didn't have those. Because if you gave me those in college, you was, I was taking mental health semesters at that point. I felt cheated. I felt robbed. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, life is overwhelming and you can, you can have a day just for your... <laughs> but it's like that all the time. I need a mental health day every day. Because when is it never not overwhelming? And, 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 and what has happened in society today is that, is that we now find so many excuses for why naturally weathering and erosion we're not able to build up what's necessary to stop the weathering stop the erosion from occurring i live by the water there's things that i have to put in front of my yard or else i'll be sailing across the atlantic <laughs> that water's coming for me if i don't stop the erosion and and here's the point i'm trying to make People with insecurities not only sabotage others and downtalk others, they, they downtalk themselves. Oftentimes when you hear people saying a lot about other people, it's probably the same things they regurgitate about themselves in their own mind. They're not good. I'm not successful because if I had this, if I had that, if I had this. One time when I was in my early days of my ministry, I went full time and I trusted the Lord. I said, God, I thank you for this opportunity. You opening these doors. A brother of mine called me up. He said, man, I wish I was like you. If I didn't have a job, there's so much more I'd be doing with music. Well, guess what? God has a sense of humor. He got fired the next week. From then to now, he's not been in the music industry. Because sometimes we find reasons to say why everybody else is successful and I'm not. When the truth is you sabotaging yourself with your own thoughts. Stop regurgitating what people have said to you. You can, oh man, you can do more than you think. You can get up and go. Stop, stop procrastinating. Insecure people procrastinate. It's not really because their time is eaten up. Everybody's given the same 24 hours. It's that they are scared to do it because you're scared of what the voices might say if you did it. But I'd rather go to the plate swinging than stay in the stands talking about... He can't hit the ball. You paid to watch it. You always going to have a viewer. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody, who am I talking to in this place? Insecure people. You take the shot. No matter who says what. Graduate from men's thoughts. 
They go, and here's what. You can live your life trying to make men say the right thing about you. And you can be near perfection and they still going to say it. Come on, tell your neighbor, you still got something to say. Y'all said they're kind of vigorous. You still got something, nothing I do. So one of the things I had to learn, I had to learn how to, because I've been to so many places and I've heard applause. But I wanted applause from certain people. And they never came. And I was exposed to them never clapping for a long time. And after a while I had to say, either I change my expectation or I'll die hoping for their approval. Besides, who are these uncircumcised Philistines <laughs> to not see the greatness of me? Y'all with me still? Yeah. They sabotage people. They sabotage themselves. And they'll sabotage the very organizations they work for. I've seen it. You put people in position, their insecurity will cause them to sabotage the whole thing. They don't care about the growth of the company. They just care that they hold on to that position. How many of you work with somebody? Don't say nothing. Listen to this. Insecure people, they spend more time fighting for the position than doing the work. And here's this too. Insecure leaders and people will never empower or develop secure followers. And that's not just true for a job environment. If you're a parent, trust me, those same insecurities will show up in another generation. You know how I know? Because I know the generation before me, and I know what's in me. Oh, we ain't going to admit it. You ever run around, and in the middle of the day, you stop yourself and say, who do I just sound like? I have become them. You replicate what you are. Y'all hearing me? So if you don't like something, change it. It is very important for you to deal with that. The Bible says Herod heard this and he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem. Your dysfunction will affect others. And I want you to know this. Who you are shapes what you do because of his insecurity this is what he did come go find a child and when you find him tell me where he is that I may worship him but what he's doing is trying to find where the child is so that he could kill the child and I want you to know Herod is not 18 years old here trying to secure a future dynasty Herod is not 30 years old. Herod is not 40. Herod is an old, old man who's about to die. And in his 
dying age, he's trying to find a baby to kill him. So when you see, people think that because you reach a certain age, you're innocent. The old folks going to get mad at me again. But there are many bitter old people who have still would not change. And you. We coming back no more, Pastor. <laughs> Age don't make you change. Change makes you change. And change is when you are not the same. That's so simple but profound, right? Change is what makes you change, and change is you're not the same. That was so good. Never thought of that. How do you know if it's changed? It's not the same. If it is still doing the same thing, it might say it has changed, but it, I just help somebody who's with a cheating somebody. You know how many young people that are dating I see that with? No, they're going to change. They're going to marry me. It's just his upbringing. What'd he do? He cheat on me, but it's okay. He's, he's going to get it together. All right. What he told you? He said he changed. What'd he do last Friday? Some non-changing stuff. <laughs> Don't do the same thing. Amen? Who you are shapes what you do. Because of his insecurities, it shapes what he did. And Herod decided he was going to kill the baby. What you do flows from who you are. You can do a good action with a bad motive. You can do so many good things coming from a bad place. You know how many people do things to be seen? Jesus even said this, the Pharisees, when they pray, they have received their reward because they pray to be seen and their only reward is that you were seen. Who you are flows. If you in this room and you were to be honest to say, I'm struggling with some, I'm struggling with me. There's people in marriages that can't have a good marriage because their mind is messed up maybe somebody hurt you before and now you finally met somebody great and they could never get a chance in your life because they got to deal with all this baggage that you bring this happens to people when they get quote unquote church hurt I hate that terminology because I, because you blame the church for the hurt. The church didn't hurt you. Somebody bugged in the church hurt you. That's Jason hurt or Philip hurt or whoever hurt you. That ain't church hurt. You don't see people walking around talking about work hurt. You still go get another job after you get work hurt. You don't quit the job altogether and be like, I don't go to work because I got work hurt. and Because then you get no pay rent hurt and you get put out work hurt. But when it comes to church hurt, you quit God. 
was I saying all that out loud? Oh, no. I don't go to church because they hurt me. Stop going to work when they hurt you. People will hurt you. Knock it off. You don't quit family when you hurt. It's bound to hurt my feelings sometimes. Father, daughter hurt. If you're not careful, these things affect your life. Look at this. You want to ask God if you're dealing with these things to help you with your insecurity. Because it affects everything. And that's what I was saying. It affects the way you function in church. You come to church, you've been hurt by somebody in a church, now you, you go to every church now, every church is on audition. There's people that come to church and never could receive from God because all they come to church to do is, they think they're Simon Cowell. They just, I didn't like how the pastor said worship the Lord at that point. I didn't like how... Sister Stacy started the service. Ain't nobody here for you. We're here for God. From the beginning of the service to the end, we're not here for you. We got a big sign that goes up here before church started that says, it's a privilege to serve in the house of the Lord. We ain't come for you. We came for Jesus. You just happen to join in. Because that's what church is today, a big production. In front of a, a bunch of people to audition. People audition all the time. I didn't like. I don't. When really it's. Man you come to worship God. Lift your hands and give God praise. It affects your marriage. It affects how you father. Trust me insecurity affects how you father. I love my children. And I, I will be the, so many things, man. I, at one point, because I saw this almost perfection from my father, and he died when I was about 19, 20 years old, so I never get to ask him the questions I want to as a much older man. I never get to ask him, like, yo, man, what do you struggle with, bro? Because this man never struggled. And so my concept of fathering was, I'm never wrong until I'm wrong. Then I started going to my kids and telling them, dad struggles with this. You know how crazy that was? How many of you have a parent who ever came to you and said, I'm struggling with this. Pray for me. And then have a kid who say, dad, I understand. Whoa, who are thou? You ain't better than me start struggling with something else <laughs> jealous of your own kid <laughs> can you believe there are parents who are jealous of their own can you believe it happens Ask God to take away this before you become a Herod.
and you damage everything around you. You become a wrecking ball with all the things that were meant to be blessings. I don't know who I'm talking to. Has anybody ever in here asked God for blessings and he brought them in your life? And all those things that he brought into your life now have become more burdensome? How do things that I ask God to bless me with become burdens? If I'm not careful, it might be me. It might be the way I'm viewing those around me. Maybe I've been exposed to too much hurt that everybody I think now is after me. I don't know who to trust. Maybe I think because I came from poverty, your habits are affecting me. And I, I don't want you in my life because you might take me back to a place I... This stuff acts out. I've never had much. This is all I have. And people did me wrong. And this is the position I got. And anybody who come in here and try to take this position from me, I don't care. I'm going to expose them. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell all. You ain't going to take nothing from me. Some people, you the wife, and you still worry about the ex. Who went on? You the husband. Who you, who, you, who you talk to today? Jesus. <laughs> Leave me alone. He's going to be the only one if you keep asking me that. <laughs> Ask God. I'm done, y'all. I'm going to let y'all go. Our personal worth and security must come from our relationship with God. You are not what you wear. Listen to me, y'all. You are not what you wear. You are not what you drive. You are not, you are not your degrees. All my college students, listen to me. Work hard, get that degree, but your worth is not the degree. Actually, a degree just proves what you are already. It shows you had tenacity, but you got to know that about yourself. The degree ain't validating you. You already know those things about you. Shows that you persevered, you studied. While others dropped out, you stayed in a class. You're not your degree. You are not your bank account. You are not your cryptocurrency. Because you don't got none currently. Can I get an amen? amen? Or a pray for me? <laughs> you are not your position. You are not any of that. You are who God says you are. And God knows who you truly are. The, the office of presidency, that Oval Office is there. When people go in, it magnifies who they are. The office of pastoring here is here. When I move on and somebody else come on, it will magnify who they are. Who you are is there already. And if you don't look in the mirror and have a real conversation with you and ask God, God, I'm dealing with fear. 
I'm dealing with trust issues. I'm dealing with all these things. Free me from it. And humbly come before him and ask him to take it from you. You continue living like that. You're going to be saved. Still going to go to heaven. But you're going to do it complaining all the way there. Is that true? Children of Israel left Egypt. And them jokers complained all the way. Red Sea parted. I don't know why he got us walking through the Red Bro, a Red Sea parted. I don't know why. I'm done with this scripture here and I'll let you go. Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious. Don't be scared. When you walk in the room, don't try to be anybody else other than who you are. In your marriage, don't worry. In your home, in your job, in whatever you do. Look, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. How do you overcome insecurity? Develop a prayer life. Most believers walk in insecurity because they don't talk to the God that made them. I challenge every person in this room to have a prayer life. Not a prayer life that used to be like mine. Father, thank you for waking me up today. All right, I got to get out of here. Work, uh, Lord, protect me on the way to work. Lord, uh, protect me on the way home. God, thank you for today. It's tired. It's a beautiful day. Good night, God. That ain't a prayer life. The Bible says that pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean you walk around all day, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, amen, Jesus, amen. It means that be aware constantly that God is always there. And so at any moment of the day you need him, you call him. Somebody does something to you in the middle of the God, I need you right now. God, what would you, and pray, 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 constantly pray, asking the Lord to, to, to move in your life. And the more you pray, the Bible says, don't be anxious. When they give you bad news, don't be anxious. When something go wrong, don't be anxious. Let the default in you be to pray. And when you pray, the Bible says God will begin to guard your heart and your mind so that bitterness, insecurity, and all these things will, will have no room in there. And look at this, look at this. It says this in verse 8. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, you want to get rid of insecurity, get rid of gossipers and people who lie and things who lie and music that lie and media that lie and books that lie. Whatsoever thing is true, hallelujah, because uh, insecure people produce insecure people. People, people, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. Whatsoever thing is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, that's where your mind should be. Rule of thumb, is this good for me? If it's not, why? I didn't do that over Thanksgiving. Y'all will get that later. Verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, this is Paul, or seen in me, put into practice. And the peace of God will be with you. 
Very important. You don't get the peace without the practice. The reason we don't do the practice and we can sit back at home. You know how many people are like theologians? Like I think how they look at how Christians act. How They call themselves Christians and they act like that. And they, they know everything about everything. So many people can talk. Don't be like that. Be a person who serves the Lord and says, God, I want to live this book out. That's when you see the results. You know how many people could be in, you know how many people are Christians that are married and don't have love in their marriage? You know how many people are Christians that are in church and don't like one another? You know how many people live like this and they, they, I ask God, listen, I'm a human being just like you. There's people I see that immediately my not liking radar goes off. I don't like you. (laughs) But I got God to help me. Because I wasn't, my job is to learn to love you. My job is not to let you walk over me, but my job is to love you. Amen. I'm going to close with this. Herod was afraid of Christmas happening. Herod wanted to be in control. Herod feared that if he opened his life to Christ, he would lose his position and his freedom. There's some people in here that will never serve God because you think if I serve God, I'm going to lose all that I got over here. But Jesus, you know the turn up over here kind of real. He didn't want to lose control. He didn't want to lose his position. And he didn't want to lose his freedom to do as he pleased. And listen, Herod's biggest fear that was that he didn't want anyone to be in control except himself. I don't want anyone else to be king except me. No one else to govern my life. That was pride. I don't want to serve anyone else. Not even the God who made me. The king could have gone to see the king of kings. But he missed seeing God. Herod, everything you ever struggled with in your life could have been set free. You could have seen God. But your own insecurities, your own issues blocked you from seeing God. You could have, everything you've ever struggled with in your life could have been set free the moment you laid eyes on him. But instead of going to see him, you were planning on killing the thing that could set you free. Make no mistakes about it. People who don't surrender to God, they spend the rest of their life, whether they become super atheistic or they become, I'm a good person. They spend the rest of their life having to say why Jesus ain't real. 
There is no gray areas. This is black or white. If you walk out of hearing the gospel and you say, I don't know, you're going to have to, for the rest of your life, tell us why you could have seen God. But you rather fight God. And it's all because he was insecure. What are you fighting to hold on to? Tell me, what am I chasing? And when I get it, tell me, what would I be gaining? My dream, your will, should lead to the same thing, but that would never happen if your will ain't the main thing. Earthly dreams are just an illusion. They never satisfy. They bring confusion. And now I finally get it. What he means when he says, my heart is deceitfully wicked. What are you chasing? What are you trying to hold on to so bad? And we do it all for stupid stuff like, I'm going to take an Instagram picture of it and show them. They don't even care. Be free today. Live for the God who made you and him only. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I thank you and I give you praise. God, I thank you for the people in this room. If you in this room and anything I said just resonated with you. And it touched your heart. Hallelujah. I would love for you to know this Jesus. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you want to do so. You say, I want to live for Jesus. I would like to pray with you before I leave. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute. And if there's anybody else in this room, maybe you know Jesus, but you are struggling with insecurities. You're struggling with fear. You're struggling with all sorts of things. And you're sabotaging, you're sabotaging your own life, sabotaging your own marriage, sabotaging your own, your own ministry. Because you're insecure. You're worried about what people going to think. Today's the day to be delivered from that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You're scared to talk because you think about what people think. Everybody in that room thinking about what they're going to Some people talk. No, in the name of Jesus, you're going to talk. You're going to find your voice. You're not going to be scared in that room no more. And who cares? Hallelujah. Who cares what people think? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They don't control my destiny. God does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's people that are scared, struggling with anxiety. The pandemic then locked us down so much that people don't even know how to function with other people anymore. Insecure about a lot of things. The devil is a liar. Hallelujah. Scared. Some people, some people will never ever try to get married because you were rejected one time or a couple of times and you think that's the norm and I don't like how this feels. Oh, but let me tell you, when God bless you, it'll wipe away all the feelings that you were ever scared of. Trust me, that one home run erases all the other ones that people never saw that you missed. 
that one moment that God, oh, I know what I'm talking about. When, when you just trust God even while scared. When you say, God, I'm going to do it scared. I'm going to do it with my insecurities. I'm going to hand it over to you, not knowing what tomorrow will hold. When you give him that, that one moment he takes an exchange and blows your mind, you won't ever look back. You begin to say, God, I trust you. I trust you with everything. And if you're in this room and you're struggling with any type of insecurity, I want to pray with you today. If anything I just said resonated with you and you said, I want you to pray with me, Pastor, I want you to stand to your feet and stand right where you are and I'll pray from right here in the name of Jesus.